Our text is in John chapter 21. We'll be having prayer here in a moment before we actually read there, because I'm going to just go through it as we are here tonight. But uh, we'll be in John chapter 21, beginning with verse 6. Uh, you know, I, in, in preparation of this message, I thought of Peter, because a lot of this is about him in our message tonight. But I also think of David. Boy, David fell big time, didn't he? But he got up again. God was not through with him yet. We look at Peter, a lot of failures. But God was not through with him yet. And you might feel like you have failed in your life, and boy, there's things that you just can't go back on anymore. Well, look, God is not through with you yet. If you're still breathing, you're still here. God is not through with you yet. So understand, you just get up. And you go again. Now, I think of the two celebrated uh, lady astronauts that went on the first spacewalk uh, outside the space station. I mean, it was, the first, it was televised for the whole world to see because it was the first time it was an all-women's uh, spacewalk. Uh, it was great. I mean, all the world could see. But can you imagine the horror of those ladies when they realized they had the same outfits on? <laughs> Terrible, I tell you. Well, <clears throat> I, I, I say that jokingly, but yet I say also, uh, there are things that we can look at and just say, you know, man, that was really embarrassing. <sighs> I never want to do that. I can't even face people anymore. Yes, you can if God still has you here. You can face people. God has you. And look, Satan will make sure there are always people that will remember your mistakes. If if you don't think so, uh, just just, take a stand for the Lord, and there will be those that will always remind you of your mistakes. That's all right. Our life is not based on their leading. It's based on the leading of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, okay? So you just get up and go for him. Let's have a word of prayer before we get into our uh, text today. Now, precious Father, we thank you for the opportunity to look in your word. And I thank you, Lord, that God is not through with us yet. We're still here. And yes, as uh, Brother Randy was telling about things and how much worse this world is getting, God is not through. He's got us here for a purpose. So help us, Lord, to fulfill the purpose you have in each of our lives in Jesus Christ's name. Amen. Now, our text is in John chapter 21, and uh, we'll start with verse 6. Now, again, uh, we'll see a lot about Peter. Peter had problems. I mean, before this happened, he had denied before the uh, death and burial and resurrection of Jesus Christ, he had denied the Lord three times. And in each uh, case, there was a girl that would bring it forward. Now, in a couple of the cases, the scriptures tell us of men saying something. But I believe in the fact that there were young ladies in each part. I think that they were the first ones to say something. And the men were the ones to back it. So, okay, now, what is this? And and uh, uh, he denied them three times. And so, when you look at him, here's a guy that was that was a coward before the girls, before he was even a coward before the men. And and so three times he denied his Lord and knowing the Lord. And so Peter did have problems. So as we look at our text, look there in verse 6. And he said unto them, 
They're at the seaside now. I want you to understand they're Galilee. They're at the seaside there at Tiberias, as a matter of fact. This is where this is taking place. And those that go to Israel with me, that's that's one of the places where we are is at Tiberias. And we're at that seaside. But uh, uh, he sees them fishing. They've been fishing all night and had caught nothing. And so he said unto them in verse 6, cast a net on the right side of the ship. And ye shall find. And they cast therefore. Now they're not able to draw it for the multitude of fishes. There's so many fishes they can't even draw it in. Now you think about that. Before, uh, during the ministry of Jesus, he had told them cast in the nets, plural. And they only brought in one net, threw it out there, and it broke. They didn't do exactly what he said to do it. Now this time he just said the net. And it is filled with uh, great fishes, as we're told there in, in our text. And they're so great, a multitude of fishes, they weren't able to draw it in. Now go down to verse 8. And the other disciples came in a little ship, for they were not far from land, but as it were 200 cubits, dragging the net with fishes. And as soon as they were come to the land... They saw a fire of coals there, and fish laid thereon, and bread. And Jesus saith unto them, Bring the fish which ye have now caught. And Simon Peter went up and drew the net to land full of great fishes, a hundred and fifty and three. And for all that were there, so many, yet was not the net broken. Now there's just a few things that we see in this passage, first of all, when they come back, Jesus has fish already on the fire, so they're not going to be eating the fish that were brought in. We're told there are 153 great fish, meaning, I believe, that when Jesus called them to be fishers of men, at that time, there were known to be 153 nations. To show that uh, the bread of life was to be spread throughout all the world. And these men would be the uh, foundation of that. And so here these men are. There's going to be the foundation of that. The uh, fishers of men. And to, the world was to the word was to go to all the world. Even to the uttermost parts of the earth. But what I also find out is very interesting. They try to drag. They can't draw the net in. They get another ship to help them bring it to land. But when Jesus tells Peter to go down there and get it, he's able to draw it up by himself. Now, Peter doesn't have a story about being Samson, okay? And yet, he's able, what those other disciples weren't able to do, he is able by himself to draw it up. What's that telling us? Well, 153 nations. More than what we are. We are the minority. We're the minority among Christians, matter of fact, because we're fundamental. We're still Bible believers. So we're the minority in those that claim to be Christians. But when you work in the power of God, it is unlimited. And you may be as a Peter, who is the guy that uh, was defeated, the guy that messed up, the guy that did had all kinds of problems. But God is not through with you yet because you're still here. Okay, you're still here. Now, uh, let's let's take up again then. And and so, uh, in 
verse 15, so when they had dined, Jesus saith to Simon Peter, Simon, son of Jonas, lovest thou me more than these? He saith unto him, yea, Lord, thou knowest that I love thee. He saith unto him, feed my lambs. He saith to him again the second time, Simon, son of Jonas, lovest thou me? He saith unto him, Yea, Lord, thou knowest that I love thee. He saith unto him, Feed my sheep. He saith unto him the third time, Simon, son of Jonas, lovest thou me? And Peter was grieved because he said unto him the third time, Lovest thou me? And he said unto him, Lord, thou knowest all things. He knew that he was God come in the flesh. He knew that he knew all things. This was the omniscient God in the flesh. He knew everything. He says, thou knowest all things. Thou knowest that I love thee. Jesus saith unto him, feed my sheep. Now, some people say, well, you know what? After the third time, I would have probably been like Peter and said, yeah, Lord, I love you. But that's not the way it is. You see, the first time the Lord said, Peter, son of Jonas, agape, the highest form of love, the only kind of love that God can love you with, agape thou me, and the only kind of love you can have by my love going through you, agape thou me, more than these others. He said, uh, Lord, I filio you. I have a strong best friend love for you. And the Lord said, feed my lambs. Even when you don't love the Lord as much as you should love him, when you don't love him with all the love that he has to love through you, yet you can still be used of God to feed the believers and to edify believers. He said, feed my lambs, feed those that are saved. He says the second time, Simon, son of Jonas, agape thou me. And Simon answers again, Lord, thou knowest I filio you. But because he knows that the Lord knows all things, he's not going to say, yeah, Lord, I agape you, because he knows that he knows all things. This is God. He knows that. So he says, yes, Lord, I know that you, you just really love me. And I love you. I have the strongest friendship love. I love you as much as any of these guys here. Now, a lot of times preachers preach this, and I believe that it's somewhat a part of this, where they say three times he denied him. So now he has three times to come back and and uh, do the opposite of those denials. And I, I don't doubt that that is a part of it. But we also have Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, don't we? So there's different ways to incorporate that three. But that third one's the hard one. This is why Peter is so discouraged and down. Simon, son of Jonas, dost thou filio me? That was just like a knife in the heart. When I was in high school. Put your put your hands over your teenage kids' 
years right now, okay? But when I was in high school, uh, a friend and I, as a matter of fact, we both ended up being preachers. Okay, we both ended up being preachers. And he, he still pastor. I think he's still pastoring today. But um, we decided we was going to have fun one night. We lived in Bradenton, Florida. And so we were going to go out to the beach. As we went out to the beach, we were going to have some fun. As we drove over a bridge, he had a dozen eggs. Now, I thought he was going to use those eggs for something else. Instead, he saw fishermen leaning over the bridge fishing. I was driving, and he straightened all of them up as we went by. Well, that's not really funny. What I really wanted to do on my part, I thought was funny. I went down to the beach drive, which you could do at that time. I had a rope in the back. It's a little Volkswagen bug, and it was my brother Dick's car. I don't know why I had it, but I did. Mom and Dad were out of town that that uh, that day, that weekend. So I said, man, this is our time. I went on the beach drive, and they had uh, outhouses, okay, on the beach drive. I tied the rope around it. Tied it to behind my uh, car, and I drove it to where it'd be in front of the beach drive. So as people drove down the beach, all of a sudden there's an outhouse in front of them. Okay, that's what I did. We got done, and I was untying it when these two men drove up in the car. And they were two of the men that Jimmy hit. And he said... All right, we're going to clean out your car. I was all right until they said, we're going to clean out your car. I didn't know if I could stay with them or not, but they were senior citizens. And I said, well, I can defend myself, I I think, I hope. I mean, I was all of 17 years old, you know, so I had all the wisdom in the world. And so when I see these guys there, they're, they're saying, we're going to empty out your car. And it dawned on me. I didn't care if Jimmy was there or not, I ran. Because in the back behind the seat of that Volkswagen, I had a spear gun. Now, I don't care how old the guy was, if he hits me with the spear gun, I'm going to be hurting. So, man, I took off running. Jimmy took off running. A little bit later, I heard Jimmy call, Andy, come on back. Come on back. Come on back here. Everything's all right. So I walked back there. And and the uh, guy said, I caught your friend. I didn't say this, but I, can't, I was that close to saying, I started saying, no, you don't. He just set the record for the 50-yard dash in the county. And you don't look like you could outrun him. Okay. And, and he couldn't have. He'd come back voluntarily. I came back voluntarily. And so... They were going on, and I, I had a $20 bill in my billfold, which was a lot of money. It, it represented what my paycheck for that week. I was working at Winn-Dixie. And so I took it out. I said, man, can we just give you this and let it go? And they, they were happy, I thought. Next day, I got a call from the Anna Maria Island Police. He said, were you the one responsible for what happened yesterday at the beach? Were you in... Are you responsible for that incident? I says, I don't know which incident was it. (laughs) Dumbest thing to say. 
He says, do you own a 1966 Volkswagen? I said, that's my brother's. He says, your brother there? I said, no. He says, do you know anything about what happened last night? I said, yes, sir. He says, what happened? I said, that was me. He says, well, I want you to come out to the beach by 2 o'clock this afternoon. He owned, the same officer owned an ice cream stand out there. He told me to meet him there. I said, well, sir, my brother has his car now, and I don't have a ride out there. He says, if you're not here at 2 o'clock, I will send a ride for you, and you'll get the ride in a cruiser. So I decided that I would hitchhike. I hitchhiked about 8 or 9 miles to get out there, and, and I made it. He started in on me. I mean, he started in big time on me. You know, I thought, okay, I'm going to prison for the rest of my life. I just knew I was in trouble. His wife come out of the shop and stood there and listened to what was going on. She says, young man, let me ask you a question. I said, yes, ma'am. I mean, I knew it was his wife, so yes, ma'am. She said, did you even look in that little outhouse to see if anybody was in there and busted out laughing? Her husband went... And so he said to see him on Monday at the juvenile office. Okay, now, that sounded like it worked out that I didn't get in any trouble. No, because I had to tell my dad when he got home. <laughs> Somebody had told him earlier, so he was prepared for it, and, and it really didn't go that badly. So after all that was over, I thought, okay, dumb thing. It was about three months later, mom and dad were getting ready to go to something. It was supposed to be something dad was going to, and I, it, it would have been a good thing for mom to go with them. And mom, uh, I said, mom, you ought to go. That'd be great. That'd be a good getaway for you. And instead of just dad, you could go with them. And she looked at me with tears in her eyes. She said, son, I want to, but we can't trust you. She could have taken a butcher knife and ran it my chest and turned it around five times and it wouldn't have hurt anymore. I realized what I had done. I believe that's what Peter is seeing right now. Peter, filio thou me. And at that point, he says, Lord, you know, I filio you. And he says, Feed my sheep. Peter, I can use you too. I'm going to use you to write scriptures. I'm going to use you to plant church. I'm going to use you to do some great things. But this is what you're going to do right now. So in verse 18, he says, Verily, verily, I say unto thee, When thou wast young, thou girdest thyself, and walkest whither thou wouldest But when thou shalt be old, thou shalt stretch forth thy hands, and another shall gird thee, and carry thee whither thou wouldest not. This spake he signifying by what death he should glorify God. And when he had spoken this, he saith unto him, follow me. Now, many tell us that this is, Peter would die by crucifixion. It stretched forth his arms. He'd be led against his will. And that's it. Uh, people tell us that he was felt unworthy to be crucified as Jesus was and asked to be crucified upside down. 
That is tradition. I don't know if that is actually true or not. We don't have that, but we do know that he died that way because that's what Jesus said he would, and it would be against his will. But he was able to die for the Lord, which was an also, when you think about this, coming at the end of just telling him this, you're going to prove your love for me. You are going to prove your love for me. Follow me. Then Peter, turning about, seeth the disciple whom Jesus loved following. That's John. So he sees him following, and which had also leaned on his breast at supper and said, Lord, which is he that betrayeth thee? And Peter, seeing him, saith to Jesus, Lord, and what shall this man do? Uh, Jesus saith unto him, if I will that he tarry till I come, what is that to thee? Follow thou me. Look, you have a full-time, I have a full-time job of thinking about my service for the Lord. Of staying on the straight and narrow way. Of doing God's will, God's way, in God's timing. And I believe that God sometimes uses the simple to confound the wise because I've proved that over and over. But Peter says, what's he going to do? He's jealous. But understand, God, God chooses who he uses. You don't. God will choose who he's going to put his hand on. You won't. Well, I don't like his past. Well, God saved you from a sinful past too. As he has all of us. Now, whether God uses John differently or in a greater way than he uses Peter, it doesn't matter. What does matter is that Peter is open is open to allowing God to use him any way God wants to use him. That is the bottom line. That's the way it has to be. How did God use Peter? He's worried about John, but he gets his life right. He listens to that, what the Lord told him. In Acts chapter 2, he's the one that opens the gospel to the Jews. And 3,000 got saved that day. In Acts chapter 8, he opens the gospel to the Samaritans, half Jew, half half uh, Gentile, and the gospel is open to them. And then in Acts chapter 10, it's the Gentiles, and therefore fulfilling the 153 nations of the gospel goes to all the world, for all who call upon the Lord shall be saved. And it's for all men. He's not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. Peter was the one God used to open the gospel to all those areas. Yes, Peter had problems. But God was able to use him. God was able to use him. God is not through with you yet. You're here. You're breathing. God is not through with you. Peter not only had problems, he had contrast of victory and defeat. Or you could say defeat and victory, however you want to look at it. It was up and down. It was failure and good, good and bad. He walked on water. 
that was good. He began to go down, that was bad. He said, I believe that thou art the son, the huios, the very offspring of God. That was good. When Jesus says, I'm going to go to Jerusalem and be crucified, he says, not so, Lord. But that was bad because if he doesn't, then our sins are not paid for. He says, I will not deny thee, though all others deny thee. I'll be right there for you. And he denies him three times. Now, he doesn't betray him. He denies him. Judas betrayed. But then later, although that that was bad, later, he's used of God. To bring souls to the Savior and write scriptures. Yes, there's good and there's bad. Even in his life in the book of Acts. There's good and there's bad. When when he gets to the book of Galatians, Paul said that he had to rebuke him. Because he refused to eat with the Gentiles. But evidently, Peter took that rebuke because we find out in 2 Peter that he commends Paul that happened after that incident. Now, the Holy Ghost gave him every word to write, both Paul and Peter. It's not their words, but there's the words they wrote for the Lord because he gave it to them. But it shows bad good. You don't have to stay down. Okay, you don't have to stay down. You can always get back up. Only the devil says you're no good and you can't be used anymore because you've messed up. You tell him, look, my God told me to get up. I'm getting up. That's the way we it goes. Yes, Peter had problems, but a righteous man, a just man, falleth seven times, riseth up again. But the wicked fall into mischief. Proverbs chapter 24, verse 16. That is, the wicked man does not get back up again. They live the rest of their life in defeat with the conviction of sin. They, they were very presumptuous in their sin. But they did not realize that where sin abounded, grace did much more abound. Yes, Peter did have problems. And his life is a picture of contrast and victory. Good and bad. But he did get it right. Remember, we all have things that, as they said, skeletons in the closet that we don't want people to see. But don't live your life based on those skeletons. Live your life based on the will of God. Seek his will. Get to know his will and do it. And that takes a commitment to him by love. Even a filial love, a strong friendship love is better than no love or just say, oh, yes, I love the Lord. And it doesn't really affect the way you live. 
Even if Peter had a strong filial love, it affected the way he lived. It's best to have the agape love of God in you and loving through you and loving God first and loving your fellow believers in Christ that you can feed the lambs, feed the sheep of God, edify one another so that we're labors together with God. Trying to accomplish the work of God. Uh, Brother Roger here tonight telling us about the need was met. That's been a labor together with God. Okay. Could we find fault with Brother Roger? Talk to his wife, she can tell you. Uh, but what I'm saying is, is that no matter what it is, you can get up and God can use you if you let him. That's the bottom line. Have that commitment. You know, the reason the world is not seeing Jesus is that the Christian people are not filled with Jesus. We're satisfied with just attending church weekly and reading the Bible some, occasionally, and praying sometimes. And it's an awful thing for Christ to see people professing to be Christians. But they're lifeless and not serving him. They may find fault with everyone and everybody and every program and everything and every message and every lesson and everything else and every person. But they're not serving the Lord. They're not walking in the spirit. Rather, their life is of the flesh. And many times that flesh is a religious flesh, but it's nonetheless the flesh. The spirit we've been called to walk in is a holy spirit. A righteous spirit. And you can walk in that and you can have victory. You see, we need as Christians to have eternity set in our heart. Knowing that one day we'll give an account of this life on earth. And therefore, we're going to allow the Lord to live in us and through us. Be the Lord, be the God, we're submission, he's the head. Allow the working of God to be such in us. And by the way, that means you not only have faith in God's word, you trust God's word. You trust the Holy Ghost that he gave you to act upon his word. Trust, faith. You can even say, I love God. But what kind of love is it that doesn't trust and will step out in faith for him? God has a purpose for the things that happen in your life. There are many failures along the way, but God has a purpose in allowing things. So I look to Christmas, my mind always goes back to December 24th, 1966. My friend Mike and I, I I called Mike up. Mike was kind of down. His girlfriend had dumped him. I said, Mike, let me pick you up. And we had my brother, Tim. He was just about seven years old at the time. But I said, uh, let me go gas. I'm going to gas up the car. Let me get. While I go over there, I'll uh, take it by this girl's house. She's not seeing anybody, and she's a nice girl. I think you'd like her. 
Now, I had, a, I had an underhand reason for that. The girl I was dating at the time didn't like that girl, and I thought, well, if I got that girl on the other bait, then my girl would be fine with her being around, you know. So, I, we were going to take over. I pulled in a gas station. We filled up the tank with gas. Now, those, that old Plymouth, 1960 Plymouth I had, they were built like tanks back then, okay? And I pulled out of the gas station after the tank was full, which bothers me because if I'd have known I was going to be in an accident, I wouldn't have filled the tank. But I pulled out of the, the gas station, went down this two-lane road, about two blocks, and a drunk man went down the wrong side of the road and hit me head-on at 80 miles an hour. Tim and Mike were sitting in the front seat beside me. They were wrestling each other. I was sitting there driving the car. And, and of course, uh, when he hit us, his front headlight on his left side hit the front headlight on my left side, which was just kind of like that. And his car went off almost into the porch of a house that was sitting there. Mine just spun around several times, but never turned over, but completely totaled the car. When I came to, I looked over there, Jess, uh, Jesse, <laughs> he probably was crying anyway. Um, but when I looked over there, Tim is crying. Mike is going, <laughs> I said, that idiot's trying to swallow his tongue. <laughs> He's always eating. So I put my finger in his mouth and finally he went, whoa, whoa, whoa. and he came around. He said, what do you got your finger in my mouth for? I said, man, you're trying to swallow your stupid tongue. You know? He said, was I? Yeah. Come around. He's fine. And then there's some people. They're all standing outside looking at us. Oh, look at that. It knocked out a tooth. It knocked out half of another tooth. It, it uh, put 20 stitches in my eyes. Mike and Tim weren't hurt. The guy that hit us that was drunk tried to leave the scene of the accident three times, and the deputy decked him three times, okay? But he was drunk, didn't know it. He says, uh, the deputy told me, I've got a home for you for the evening, okay? And he did. But um, it took me to the hospital in an ambulance. Now, I told you something about my mother just a little while earlier, but there's something else about her, too, that is true probably with most women. They had me on a gurney sitting in the back. They had taken my shoes off. And my sock had a great big hole where the big toe is. And my mom's wanting to go back there and cover it so people can't see it, okay? And she asked me, why do you have those socks on? They were in the drawer. Nobody darned them, you know? And so... So... that. I, I had those socks on, and I got to go home that evening. In the newspaper the next day, it said, Christmas Eve miracle. For the next two weeks, I was pretty sore, and so they said, you stay in bed. As a matter of fact, when school started back up, uh, he'd said not to get involved in PE or anything for a couple of weeks. Coach didn't believe I was Bad off. He says, you run. I ran a couple laps and he said, sit down, sit down, sit down. And he told me the next day, he said, man, you turned white as a sheet. I thought he was going to fall out on me. I said, well, I told you the doctor said not to run. 
He said, okay, I believe you now. Uh, but those two weeks I was laying on my back, I realized God had a purpose for sparing me. I've been living on borrowed time since 1966. By all rights, been hit head on at 80 mile an hour, should be dead. I've been living on borrowed time. God had a purpose. God has a purpose for your life, whether you're in an accident or not. God has a purpose for your life because if you're still here, God has a purpose for you. Failures are all along the way and they are many. But remember, all these disciples were told they were probably in their early 20s. David and Daniel were, expect, were supposedly teenagers when they come on the scene. Daniel and Daniel chapter 1, where he purposed in his heart that he would not defile himself with the king's meat. And they believe that he is about 17 or 18 years old. David is believed was about 17 years old when he killed a giant. They, those young men made decisions that would affect the rest of their lives. Now, we've got young ones in here, we've got middle-aged, we've got older ones. But isn't it time to make decisions that affect the rest of your life with the Lord Jesus Christ? You're still here. He's got a purpose. So I've said everything to say this. Do you know the purpose that God has for your life? If so, are you fulfilling it? Because in the final analysis... If we have eternity set in our heart, we realize when we appear before him, did I fulfill the call and the purpose that God has for me? Did I fulfill that call? Did I fulfill his purpose? Oh, I fell and I couldn't do that purpose anymore. But yeah, but God's not through with you yet. You're still here. Maybe there's another purpose you can do. You know how many men that I would like to have deacons, but they can't because they've been divorced? But they have done great jobs for us here. Tremendous. They can't be deacons, but they can still serve God. And they have. My friend, God can use you. Are we entering a Thanksgiving season? Best way to show thanks to God is to say all for Jesus. It's all for Jesus. I've come to do thy will, Jesus said. So why don't we do the same thing? Oh, Lord, I have come to do your will. God can still use you. Let's bow our heads, please.